It's Wild Weekly on the fan. Pass it from Kaprizov, Johnson scores! Now here to talk about the Minnesota Wild and the NHL. From the Wild, Kevin Faulness. And from the fan, Brandon Molesky. Good evening, welcome to KFN Wild Weekly. Brandon Molesky along with Kevin Faulness, who I'm assuming is vacationing at some sort of tropical spot over this uh, this time off at the All-Star break. Where, where are you, uh, where are you uh, talking to us from tonight, Kevin? You won't believe this, but I am in beautiful, exotic St. Louis Park. Yes, it's true. <laughs> That's, it doesn't get any better than St. Louis Park. You got this much time break. off and you're not taking a family vacation somewhere? You know what? I don't know how things have been in your house, but we've had illness going through our house. My three children have been ravaged with with just gross sicknesses. So, no, uh, my wife is working. Just because I've got the all-star break, the other four members of my household don't have anything to do with that. They've they, Life goes on as planned. I'm assuming you're in the youth hockey uh, meat grinder as well. It's kind of hard to take vacations during youth hockey season. Yeah, we, we actually have our uh, final tournament for my Bantam coming up this weekend. It's actually in St. Louis Park, so I don't have to go to Des Moines or, or Fargo or something like that, but it's still, a, yeah, it's there's hot. So, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a more relaxed schedule. I have to deal with you on KFN Wild Weekly, and i got to deal with Micheletti for Beyond the Pond. But Sorry. Beyond that, it's... Uh, <laughs> the hockey, uh, the, the the wild hockey at least, has taken a back seat for a little bit. Yeah, we're at the All Star break. The Minnesota Wild currently seventh in the Central Division at forty seven points. They are seven points out of a playoff spot, as the St. Louis Blues have emerged with a five game winning streak. So they're now uh, have leapfrog Nashville because they have the two games in hand. They're both at fifty four points. Wild behind the Coyotes on the other side. You're also trying to chase the Kraken and the Flames and the Kings. So. You know, uh, Kevin, I, I'm not someone who likes to write teams off, especially in hockey. We've seen the Wild in previous seasons go on runs over a 10-15 game stretch, but it's really hard to imagine the way this season has gone up until this point and only 33 games to go that they're going to be able to make a, a run for a playoff spot. I will say this. Twice they've resurrected themselves from the ashes this season. Um, and the most recent one, they were within two points of a of a playoff spot, and at that point, I felt pretty good about the way they had been playing, the way that the, you know their the resume spoke for itself. Yeah, there were some bad stretches in there, but to pull within two of the uh, final eight, no one was like running away with the competition and saying this is going to be my spot and everyone else is going to be gone. Uh, the Wild were right there in the mix of things, but to limp into the All Star break the way they did and blowing two third period leads and yeah. blowing one against the Nashville Predators and the Ducks game on Hockey Day, Minnesota. Was the worst of all of them. Uh, now, yeah, I, I can't imagine what that pit is in the in, what that is in the, the pit of their stomach as they sit and they think about that during the All Star break. What could have been? Because now they've given themselves Mount Kilimanjaro to try to have to scale. Yeah, the Wild had been fourteen zero and one before that two game stretch of uh, winning games. They were fourteen zero and one when having a lead going into the third period. They blow two in a row, and you and you mentioned the Anaheim game. They you know they had multiple chances to extend that lead uh, throughout the first two periods, Kevin. You, 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 know, you have the Matt Boldy goal that gets uh, turned around because he was just barely, barely offside. That's a whole other conversation. I, it still drives me crazy that we um, you know, take goals off the board for something that takes like the slowest of motion replays to be able to see that the guy was an inch offsides. But uh, never yeah. the, nevertheless, they had chances to extend that lead and Two games in a row where they've they've blown in third period, and you know the Anaheim team specifically. It's not like you're talking about a world beater there. No, I mean it's one thing against a Central Division rival and the uh, you know the animosity that might go into something like that, and 
you know that that uh, Predators team. They still. Uh, I know that they're not towards the top of the standings, but Yossi and uh, Forsberg and yep. some of the pieces that are on that team. Uh, yeah, the Soros even, and, and then of course the Andrew Brunette factor played here at, at mm. XL Energy Center. Uh, but there's no excuse to lose the Anaheim Ducks, and especially when you're leading after two periods and you squander another third period lead uh, and on home ice. I mean, there's just so many things that's disappointing about that most recent loss. The, the two-game skid is ridiculous in and of itself, but losing the way you did to the Anaheim Ducks, I mean, that's something that uh, if and when you're on the outside looking in come this spring, these are two games that you're going to look back and go, geez, we deserve to be here. Yeah, ultimately, um, you know, as as you stated earlier, you know, the, the you know the Blues are on a five game winning streak. They were just ahead of the Wild in the standings not too long ago, and all of a sudden they have jumped in. So it I, I, it is possible, I suppose, with kind of the mediocrity that's in this in, in this division and in this conference that if you go on a five ten game stretch here where you're playing uh, really really good hockey, you, have, you do have a chance to to leapfrog some teams. Let, let's talk about Kevin. The you know I, I mentioned it just when I talked to you, I believe last Friday night the troubles and struggles on the blue line all season long and it looks like bill garen is trying to make some moves to address that they they acquired will butcher in a trade from the pittsburgh penguins former hobie baker winner and then uh just yesterday um claimed declan chisholm off of waivers from the, uh, the winnipeg jets it's, it looked like the jets were just trying to sneak him through during all-star time thinking no one was going to claim him but uh you know a guy that maybe um you know a little bit more higher upside in terms of being an offensive defenseman yeah, I mean, he's trying to add to the depth of the blue line at this point. Uh, they do got some shiny pieces down there in Iowa, but most of them don't have a ton of experience. So now he's, you know, who, maybe this is the precursor for what he's going to do leading into the trade deadline or, you know, add, add some depth now so he can move some of these guys when, uh, when, when the time comes. But yeah, and, and he talked a little bit about Will Butcher. We'll hear that in the next segment here on KFN Wild Weekly about, uh, cause at that point in time when we talked to, uh, Garen at the, uh, during the, uh, Beyond the Pond this past Saturday, we were able to talk about the Butcher move and he likes him, a Hobie Baker winner, a former, uh, national champion with the DU Pioneers. Um, but certainly undersized, certainly, you know, doesn't have a ton of experience on the NHL level and he'll get an opportunity here and, you know, as decimated as the Wild are, I think of what the Iowa Wild are going through with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some of the injuries they've had to deal with as well. So it's it's a trickle-down effect, and uh, he'll be able to add to the organization, not just on the NHL level. But that's kind of my point, too, when, when talking about how this team's going to turn it around and make it a player for Like, I don't know how this team gets better other than just your current players playing better, right? Like, they don't have cap space to really go out and make a, a move at the deadline unless you're giving up your own salary in return. Um, there's not much... Looking at Iowa, that's going to be, you know, could jump up and emerge other than maybe Jesper Wallstead just becoming a brilliant goalie all of a sudden at a young age. But other than that, like, I don't know. I I don't know how, you know, and Spurgeon's out for the year, so you're not getting him back. I don't don't know how this team really gets better and improves. No, uh, but, I mean, again, the the recent track record – it's 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 hard to talk positive when when you hear what happened with the, those most recent two losses. I mean, no, that's as disappointing as it comes. But going on that run where they won eleven of fourteen under John Hines, and then that most recent stretch before they stubbed their toe going to to Florida and 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 beating the Hurricanes and the Panthers in their barns, this is the team that got it done for them. And this is also the team that that completely 
bleep the bed at the end of that homestand. Uh, granted, they're the exact same two teams, but if there is a, a way to get out of it and have some positivity and have some glass half full, they do have the ability to reel off some victories. And if they do that, there's no reason to think they can't be in the top eight. They've just they've they've created such a chasm now between them and the, the top eight in the Western Conference. It seems unlikely, but I, I'd love it if they proved us wrong. All right, final topic before we uh, replay that Bill Guerin interview with you guys on Beyond the Pond. Uh, I was reading uh, your guy Michael Russo in the Athletic for the uh, they did their mailbag and um, you know talking about financially what could be transpiring here in the next year or two, and he mentioned that they might be already looking into a contract extension for Brock Faber this off season, and he mentioned they're probably going to look at the max eight years. And it could be over $8 million a year for Brock Faber. Yeah, I'll sign it in blood if they want my <laughs> two cents. <laughs> you know, I assume you feel the same way. Do whatever you can I, to keep just, this kid I, here long term. He looks incredible. It's just, it's, so, it's just amazing to, you know, the kids played, what, 50-some career games? And we're already throwing, yeah. uh, you know, eight years, eight, eight plus million dollars. I mean, that's, uh, I think eventually, you know, I think it'll be worth it. And you look at his his stats this season. I always knew he was going to be a good defensive defenseman, Kevin. I, I didn't know he would be able to have 29 points in 49 games this early in his career. I mean, yeah. he, because of his skating and, you know, he, he showed a little bit of offensive promise, but he never looked like an, a dynamic offensive player, and yet he's producing on both sides of the rink right now. And that's just it. You, you I don't play the stock market. Some people do. You probably do. And sometimes you got to play the futures and – you know, say what you want. I mean, the upside on this kid looks like the real deal. He looks like a legit. Not only, I mean, I mean, he's going to be a building block on your franchise. Boldy, Kaprizov, uh, Volstead, Faber. They should all be in the same mix there. Your Mount Rushmore of young talent that you're going to build around going forward once this uh, Parisi Suter debacle is gone. Um, and for me, I'm I'm going to put my chips on number seven, Brock Faber, and and then spin that roulette wheel and like my my odds. He's he's a kid that I think if you have the opportunity to lock him up long term, man, I I would jump all over that for sure. Yeah, I also saw too in that uh, mailbag that uh, Kusnadina, their young prospect, who's been in Russia playing in the KHL the last couple of years, they might make an effort to bring him over after February 25th and insert him in the lineup right away. So that that would be uh, something to look forward to as well. All right, you and Pat Micheletti had a chance to talk with the GM of the Minnesota Wild, Bill Guerin, on Beyond the Pond, which you can hear Saturdays, 10 a.m. to noon, right here on The Fan. We'll uh, replay a portion of that interview next, right here on KFN Wild Weekly. Tuesday night, February 7th at 8.30, on the radio home of the Wild, FM 100.3 KFAN, The Fan. Welcome back to KFAN Wild Weekly. With you the rest of the way, I'm Kevin Falness. We do this little show called Beyond the Pond every Saturday, 10 to noon, with myself and Pat Micheletti. This past Saturday, before the Wild lost to the Anaheim Ducks, we got a chance to check in with the president and general manager of the Minnesota Wild, Mr. Bill Guerin. It was Hockey Day Minnesota, so we talked a little bit about that and the state of the Minnesota Wild with Billy G. How does Hockey Day Minnesota compare to Hockey Day Massachusetts? Uh, you know what? Why would you say that? <laughs> Why yeah, would you say that? You know we don't, not you know we don't have one. Anymore. You know we don't have one, but <laughs> hey, look here. We, we, can, we can go back over time. We can shop and compare. But, yes, um, I know we can. <laughs> it's, a great, it's a great day. I, I, I love it. I get into it. It's, it's fantastic. 
must, uh, you, you know, you must be strutting yourself a little bit today, seeing that big Boston College victory over uh, the arch rival Boston University last night. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't even notice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, was it four one? Oh, okay, yeah, I was. 4-1. Yeah, four one. Uh, <laughs> number one and two team in the country, and uh, it, it looks like Boston College is back. They have a plethora of uh, of great players. Yeah, it's been uh, an amazing year for them. Greg Brown has done a fantastic job. Uh, I mean, hey, look, Jerry was doing a great job to the day yeah. left, and. And Brownie's taken over and just really, uh, you know, put his spin on it. Um, he's done a great job of recruiting. You know, we had seven kids from the World Junior Team. It, it just all a lot of high-end players, and uh, it's just such a great, it's just such a great place. You know, the the BCBU rivalry is is unmatched in college hockey. I mean, you know, it, it, it you know, you, you had the Minnesota North Dakota BCBU, um, you know, Michigan Michigan State, all these great rivalries, but. To have those two teams, one and two in the country, um, is it's, it's just good for college hockey. And the place was yep. jammed last night. I was talking to some buddies, and it's nice when you're our, our coach is a BU guy, and uh, and so is our director of player personnel, so Chris Keller. So we we've had some um, we've had some back and forth over the last couple of days, and we'll, we'll see how tonight goes. What is the state of your team as we speak, Bill? There's a couple of times where I don't think I'm alone in thinking this team is dead and buried. You lose seven in a row, you change coaches, they're not going to come back. Yet you did. Then you lose to Arizona the way you did, and you think, okay, the bottom has fallen out again. They're not coming. Yet you did. What is the state of your team as you go into game number 49 of 82? No, I guess that's the frustrating thing, too, is that it's there. It's in there. And... um you know, we just have to be better at performing at a you know more consistent basis. Um, you know, but but I do love the fight in our team. You know, the road trip that we just had. I mean, that's going through the meat grinder of, of the league right now. When you go down to Tampa, Florida, and Carolina, and to come out with four out of six points is impressive. Um, you know, we we just have to. We we don't have the luxury of you know being able to have too many off nights anymore. So we we just have to make sure that we're on and. And, and ready to go, you know, most nights. Well, yeah, I, and, you know, I mean, we could sit here all day long and, and use the excuse-a-meter, uh, you know, with uh, lack of money and, and you know, you're, you're so, you know the, the number of injuries, um, you know, that you had and that you've had to kind of piece a team together, um, you know, while guys were, were, were getting healthy, your captain out for the season, um, it, it certainly hasn't been an easy year uh, for you, Hackett. <laughs> no, it hasn't been an easy year for anybody. I mean, uh, we, we, we're just all doing our best to, like you said, piece things together and, and keep grinding it out. You know, it's, sometimes it's it's not always the prettiest of pictures, but you can get the same result. So I, what I do like about our team is kind of what we were talking about before, is that, and that's the, the battle and the fight that we have. I think this is where you know character really comes in. It's it's really important. There's no there's no quitting in our team. Um, you know, we all realize that. You know, it, there's no use in complaining because nobody's listening anyways. Nobody cares. So we just have to you know worry about ourselves and and pick ourselves up and dust ourselves off and get going again. 
you knew of John Hines. You knew him probably pretty well even before he replaced Dean Evison. It's one thing to know him, and it's another thing to work on a day-to-day basis with him in the heat of the fire like you are now. What have been your impressions of John Hines now since taking over here for the Minnesota Wild? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I've known John for a long time. I know what he's all about. I know how he coaches. I'm, I'm impressed with the job that he's done. I, I like the I like the foundation that he's building here, um, and and uh, you know, in, in bringing to the table the detail of of the game that he always has. And I, I just I just think that he's the right guy for for this team right now. And, you know, the one thing that John really loves about the team is that he doesn't have to beg these guys to play hard. They're, they're high-character guys. They, they've been through a lot. They, they show up every night, you know, or most nights. And um, he, just, he just loves the way that they approach the game, and they're hungry. They want to win, and, um, you know, that makes, it, that makes his job a lot easier in some aspects. Hey, Billy, I'm sure the phone starts as we – get close to the trading deadline, uh, the phone starts ringing a little bit more or you start making a, a few more calls to, to see what may or may not be available. But, you know, as a general manager, when, you know, where you guys are at in the standings and you have to climb, you know, four teams to, to get in there, even though you're it's a six-point differential, uh, it, it, it's got to be difficult to determine when – you know, if I am a buyer or if I am a seller, um, so I mean, how do you how do you how do you approach uh, the, the trade deadline and, and where your team is at right now? I, I think patiently. Uh, you know, it, it, you just have to kind of give the team as much time as you possibly can. Uh, but at some point in time, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to make the decision. I'm gonna have to determine which direction we're gonna go in. And, um, you know, we'll see. So I, I can't really give you a, uh, you know, definitive answer of, of which way we're going to go. But I, I think patience is, is probably the, you know, the, the best thing that I could have right now um, in, in, you know, moving forward towards the deadline. You did make a trade well, a couple of days ago. You brought Will Butcher into the fold. Uh, what can you tell us about him and what he will do for this organization? What, what he does to add to the depth of the blue line? Yeah, I think that's just it. Just a little more depth to the blue line. I, I think, you know, right now he's going to start in Iowa. Um, you know, Will's always been uh, a, a good puck-moving defenseman. Um, you know, he came in the league and had, uh, you know, 40-some-odd points as a rookie. You know, he's won the Hobie Baker, so he, he's got talent. He's got skill. He's got good hockey sense. Um, you know, he just hadn't been playing much uh, over, over in the Pittsburgh organization, so it was – I think it was a good trade for both teams in that, you know, we we they made some space and then we got some we got a player that, that needs to, to play and is motivated. So uh, we're really happy to have him. I, much like John Hines, how you go way back in the archives with Hines, you go way back with Mark Andre Fleury. How much have you enjoyed being a fly on the wall here as he continues to write history? And the best part about it is, Bill, everybody, everywhere you go, they salute this guy. His, his smile, love his personality. How, how much are you enjoying being able to, to be along for the ride during this whole whole expedition? You know what? I'm loving it. Honestly, he's he's just such a great. He's just such a great person. He's a great guy. Every, like you said, everywhere we go, people just love Flower. And you know what? It, it just so happens he's one of the best goaltenders of all time. 
to achieve the milestones that he has. Um, you know, as my friend uh, has been just really nice to watch. Um, and as a GM to have him do that in a Minnesota Wild jersey uh, is, is really special. And I know how much this organization has meant to him and how much he's enjoyed playing here. And um, these are these are just unique, unique situations that, uh, you know, like you said, I'm happy to be a fly on the wall just kind of watching the whole thing. I'm very proud of him. And Billy, if, if, you know, if you're just watching him for the first time, you would not know his age. I mean, he looks like he, you know, could play another five years if he wanted to. Yeah, I mean, you know what, but that, that's him. Like, he, you know, first of all, he's just got that youthful energy. You know, he's hes kind of like a mischievous kid. Um, and then he's just got, he's got the great personality. And then his game, his game is just, you know, it's exciting. It's electric. And he's, you know, he, he's. Uh, you know, acrobatic out there and athletic, and it's, he's just fun to watch. He's just fun to be around, yeah. and I think all of that together just kind of makes Flower uh, that that makes him who he is. The president and general manager of the Minnesota Wild is Bill Guerin. Joined us on this past Saturday on Beyond the Pond. Of course, that's heard every Saturday morning with myself and Pat Micheletti, 10 to noon right here on the flagship for Wild Hockey, FM 100.3, The Fan. Wild, they're off until Wednesday. That's when they'll go to the United Center to take on the Blackhawks. Extended pregame. We get right back into the, the thick of things when the when the schedule picks back up, and we got an extended pregame starting at 7 o'clock. Puck doesn't drop until 8.30. It's a national game via TNT but on your radio dial it'll be right here on FM 100.3 The Fan starting with an extended pregame at 7 o'clock. For Brandon Molesky, I'm Kevin Falness. Thanks for listening to another award winning edition of KFAN Wild Weekly.